solo maintenance Don't need no champagne, poppin' entertainment Take her to Wendy's, can't keep her off me She wanna dip me like them fries in a Frosty But even now and then when I get paid I gotta spoil my baby with an upgrade Yeah, we fancy like Applebee's on a date night Got that bourbon street stay with the Oreo shake And some whipped cream on the top too I know that song is terrible. I know it's part of today's hot new country that is absolutely unlistenable. And But if you listen to the bass, I mean, even go back since we're just a few seconds in and restart the episode, the bass that drops during the chorus of that particular track is as hip-hop or edm as anything in the world, let alone one of today's hot country jams. There's worlds colliding right now in the world of music that I find utterly fascinating. Now that song in particular, I was first introduced to on, I'm embarrassed to say, TikTok. Um, <laughs> I don't, I'm not always on today's young people's platforms, but Instagram Reels and TikTok, and there's a whole viral dance that goes with it. And you may have seen the Applebee's commercials that accompany that song, you you reference Applebee's in something that gets 200 million views, you're going to get a licensing deal. You are going to get paid by Applebee's. Then that's precisely what has happened to that particular individual. Um, the song is not good, but it is catchy as hell, and people love to dance to it, and it's one of the most popular songs in the world right now as a result of the TikTok and Instagram connection. Hi, my name is Brian Oak. That is uh, Sean Bernard over there. It's the Brian Oak Show, part of which is being recorded in the Smart Start MN studio. Hi, Sean. How are you? I am doing well, you know? All right. Even where you are is the Smart Smart Start MN studio right now. It's all Smart Start MN right now. Philosophically, we're all in the Smart Start MN studio, right? I mean, from sort of an existential point of view. Well, Mm -hmm. our thanks to them and my thanks to everybody. We're doing a Zoom episode today because there was a recent COVID scare in my life and I had to postpone, but I really wanted to talk to today's guest because she's, she's one of my favorites. She is really kind of... It's weird to me that she says yes when I invite her to be on this show because (laughs) she is widely regarded as one of the most respected, informed, insightful, intuitive journalists for decades in the Twin Cities. And I'm not trying to age you by saying that, Kathy, but (laughs) I just I I don't think there's anybody who pays attention to information or journalism that doesn't have respect for you. But it goes beyond that. There is a warmth and an honesty that is humbling, and you apparently are, have cloned yourself because you have more hours in the day than the average person. So I do want to say a quick hello to Kathy Wurzer. How are you, Kathy? Oh, Brian Oak, I am great. It's so nice to actually get to see you because we're on Zoom, and Sean right. is good to see you, even though you're hiding behind the board. But <laughs> thank you so much. Well, and we are going to dive into you know what you've been up to. We have already talked last time you were on about where you've been and where you're from, so we'll spend a le- little less time on the past because Good. you are ever-evolving. You never seem to stop doing what you do. But before we go any further, I want to play a country-ish song because you've chosen a lot of stuff in the country vein, which I genuinely love. But I, I feel like country music, so I kind of played that as, you know, to sort of um, sort of a, a di- di- dichotomous opposition right like i wanted to play that because modern day hot country is not interesting <laughs> oh, to me it's, it's pathetic although i will it, it, say no. you're a cutting edge did you know that i mean i mean country hip-hop is is hot well, I, mean, I know it is i know yeah i mean lil nas x who you know who came in with old town road now suddenly is going into full queer blossom and the entire country establishment is freaking out and losing their whole mind, which I kind of love, but no, I, it, the, the love of the people who are in the right age at that they grew up on hip hop in the nineties, they grew up on country music. And so I'm not surprised to see a crossover like this, but for people like you and I, Kathy, who are still in love with that old school, be it outlaw, be it traditional, be it Americana, be it, you know, roots kind of a country approach to music. Um, there's still a lot of that happening out there. And there's an incredible, 
Texas-based singer-songwriter by the name of Hayes Carl. And this one's a little rambunctious, but it tells an amazing story. And to me, when country music is at its best, it's telling an amazing story. So before we dig any deeper with Kathy Werzer, we're going to hear a little Hayes Carl. This is the title track from the release of the same name. It is K-Mag Yo-Yo on The Brian Oak Show. Unmute Brian. <laughs> he just wants me to edit more. <laughs> You're still muted. There you go. You know that's not true. You know I like it <laughs> easier than more difficult. I hey, love Carl. that song. That was fantastic. Dude, love, hey, yeah, well, I can see. 
I can see Kathy bobbing along the whole time. So Hayes Carl, like I said, that one's a little rambunctious. Not every song is that upbeat, but every song is that insightful, that clever. He's one of my favorite American singer-songwriters today. Oh, God, yeah. And that one, oh, man, it's just so very good. And he's got a few albums out, all worthy of checking out. But I felt like after that, we needed a palate cleanser after that whole Applebee song <laughs> that I kicked off the show with, right? I am Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. We're about to dive in with Kathy Werzer, but before we do, I feel like we should pay tribute to the the namesake of our studio, the Smart Start MN studio. We should mention that Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. What does that mean? Well, let's say you or someone important to you or someone near to you or someone that you feel like throwing a bone to got themselves a DUI. You can help them by referencing them or yourself to Smart Start MN. They're Minnesota's original ignition interlock company which means you will, even before you're found guilty, lose your right to drive if you are busted for a DUI. Best way to avoid that, don't drink and drive, but it happens a lot. So if it does happen, make sure you contact our friends, Ed and Mike, over at Smart Start MN. They know how to get you back into your vehicle legally, safely, and for much cheaper than you otherwise might expect it to happen because I read in a magazine once that the entire process is very, 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 very expensive. <laughs> oh, the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> Remember magazines? They're, they're quaint, sort of like radio. <clears throat> I love them. Anyway, um, smartstartmn.com. And apparently, if you go there and mention us, you can get a discount. Is that right, Sean? Yeah, go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. And there's a bunch of new laws that affect kind of what happens with DUIs now and driving and everything else. And you'll find that at their website at smartstartmn.com. Yeah, they like yeah. to change the laws a lot, don't they? They do. Yeah, they do. Brian is so good that I want to run out and get me one of these things. Well, He's you, unless you have a DUI, you don't really need one, Kathy. But but the way, way you pitched it, it was so <laughs> fun. He is. To look a professional. I it guess is. you could get a preemptive one to keep you safe, but I feel like you're one of the most responsible and intelligent people <laughs> I've ever met. So I feel like you might be jumping the gun, but hey, we will put you in touch with our good friends over at Smart Start MN. Kathy Werzer is, I, I feel even sort of silly doing an intro for her, but you know, you have to do an intro when you have a guest on a show. But I, I don't believe that there's anybody of any sort of reasonable discernment that is not familiar with Kathy Werzer, the host of Morning Edition on NPR. She's got a brand new, as of yet, unnamed, mysterious, noontime Minnesota news show, co-host of Almanac, a weekly public affairs program produced by TPT. Uh, she's won Emmy Awards for her work on Almanac. She's been doing it forever. And I was not trying to kiss up earlier when I said that I don't know that there's anybody who's as respected a journalist that I also really want to hear them tell me stories, right? Like you just said about me with Smart Start, she's, she's warm. There's a smile. There's an honesty. There's a trust. You've worked at WCCO-TV. You've worked at WCCO-AM radio, KMSP-TV, political reporter for KSTP radio. <laughs> and you're also a widely published author, um, and I do want to talk more about that. So we've talked about the things that you've done in the past, but Kathy, even though it's by Zoom, because I was trying to keep everybody safe from my COVID-afflicted family, it's very nice <laughs> to see your face. Uh, it's great to see your face. I miss you. And it's great to see Sean, too, who is even though he's hiding behind the board, I can still see him. So it's great to see you guys. Hello, Kathy. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he does have that terrifying photo behind, or not photo, but painting behind him that my friend Dave did. So hopefully that won't, that won't upset too many people. Um, Kathy, I want to start... Well, first of all, let's start with this new show, this new noontime show that is as yet unnamed, a new Minnesota news show, because I feel like that's sort of the latest outcropping of your endless journalistic creativity. Would you say that's fair? <laughs> I guess that's right. Well, yeah. I mean, it's accurate. It is. I mean, uh, well, it's, it's the latest. It's the latest. Um, uh, I got my fingers in a lot of pies, my friends. And, and yeah, you this do. Is another finger in a pie, I guess. Yeah, it's a new show and they're giving me a whole hour, which is like, think about that blank canvas, right? I mean, you have a whole hour and it's, but it's strictly Minnesota. And for some reason, I don't know why we haven't had a, 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 a Minnesota centric show on hmm. NPR. Uh, <laughs> we used to have one way back in the day. It was like a half hour. This is a full hour. So yeah, I'm going to introduce Minnesotans. Uh, Minis I'm going to introduce Minnesotans to Minnesota, I think is what I'm going to try to do. You know, it's, it's, it's everything and anything politics, arts, culture, music. And I always learn 
new music from you. So, I mean, I've been, I was writing down some stuff here as you were, as we we're both bebopping to um, his name, Hayes Carl, right? Hayes Carl, um, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, music sports, the whole gamut. So it'll be, I think it'll be really fun. Really, really fun. I'm excited about it. When you think about how provincial Minnesotans are, it's sort of startling. There hasn't been an only Minnesota show <laughs> on NPR. I mean, of this magnitude, but I think it also speaks to, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way because I take a great deal of pride in being a Minnesotan. You're exceptionally Minnesotan. And I don't know that there's anybody because you can do way more than the news. You can talk to entrepreneurs, chef, religious figures, whoever. I feel like there's probably no one more qualified to sort of help articulate and deliver these voices of Minnesotans. So when does this all launch? When does everybody get a full face full of this as yet unnamed Minnesota show? October 18th. Thanks for asking. We're, just, we're in the middle of putting together everything. I mean, you know how long it takes to put together a show? A long time, right? So I'm going to go out, do some field recording. We're trying to come up with some music, an actual theme song, which is really hard. Really, really hard. One thing I would recommend is the number of, I mean, I don't need to tell you this, but the number of truly incredible Minnesota musicians who are out there, if you were to reach out on Twitter you know, I don't think anybody's looking to get, you know, paid a king's ransom. I remember even when I was working back at The Current, we just threw it out there and like eight A-list quality people threw back a little snippet for us, a little thing. I'm telling you, Kathy Werzer, you are you are well-loved and well-respected. Jeremy Messersmith, I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> but there are... Oh. He, he's incredible, and he he seems to be able to throw these things out. Also, Chris Coza, I'm talking to you. Also, Paviel French, I'm talking to you. You know, and I don't know that you have to keep it down to just one. The number of people who would be willing to step up and be the voice of Kathy Worser's Minnesota show, are you kidding me? You and I, after we're done here, so we don't just sit here and throw names back and forth all day, <laughs> We should actually have a long phone conversation sometime after Basilica Block Party this weekend uh, because I can think of about 15 off the top of my head that would be perfect for you if you're looking for that sort of thing that would be more than willing to play ball. Absolutely. And in fact, I'm also thinking about I had a really good friend who worked at Hawaii Public Radio for a long, long time, and all of their bumper music was all Hawaii Hawaiian artists, Love right? That. And right. it was just really cool it was just, it, it, it was, it, it, it sent you to a different place. Mm. Right. And it really spoke of, of that particular show. And I thought, yeah, I want that too. So all the bumper music will be oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. I love that. I'm really, I think excited. that's a brilliant idea. Well, and you know, some of it can be quirky. Some of it can be heartfelt. I mean, gosh, I hate to, you know, offend anyone's very upper Midwestern sensibilities, but we have so much incredible hip hop there. There might even be able to be a couple of hip hop bumpers in there. Yes. That's I what I'm shocking. Thinking. Shocking, exactly. <laughs> so, so uh, no, and I know that it takes a while to get these. So you've, because you want to ramp up, right? You want to have more than a couple of them in the can so that you can keep the whole process moving, oh, yeah. especially with everything else you have going on. So, I mean, wh when did this start? How long have you been getting these interviews together and putting it all together for the launch on October 18th? You know what? It's, it's been a little while. So I've been trying to juggle the, the early morning show. And you know, you know, my energy level is not, you just have to really use your energy wisely, right? Because you're getting up early, you're doing the morning show. I'm going to take a break and do the Dune show. So I'm trying to juggle right. a bunch of stuff, including Almanac. So mm -hmm. we've been working on it for a little while and it just takes, it takes a while to build it, to try to figure out you know, what's, what's the, what's the tone going to be? What do I really want to do? And, and I was thinking, you know, I really want to, I want people to listen and come away saying, I didn't know that about Minnesota. I had no idea. Really? That's interesting. Um, and I want to help people feel more connected to the state. So you have to kind of figure out what does that sound like, right? What's that going to sound like? And, and who do I want to talk to? I mean, who are the big gets? You know, who, who do I really want to talk to? <laughs> and will they hopefully they'll want to talk to me, you know? So we're putting together a list of that. And I think it should be pretty interesting to see um, what people think of this in the end. I hope they like it, obviously. Have so, you ever gotten a no? And I want you to be honest with me. Has anyone ever heard, hey, Kathy Werzer called up and wants you on her show. No <laughs> one's ever told you no. No one's ever told you no. Oh, they have told me no a zillion times. Absolutely. Really? Oh, shoot. Fools. Fools yes. the lot of them. But sure. Idiots, right? Exactly. Polit idiots. Sure. Politicians don't want to appear oh, on the... well, politicians. Nobody really oh. wants to hear what they have to say anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But, I mean, th I'm thinking about... Uh, now, someone said the other day... Now, what do you guys think of this? Would Alex Rodriguez be a decent interview? 
See, I'm not sure. The, the, co- the new corner of the T-Wolves. Yeah, I mean, you bring up an amazing question right there because people have asked us about this podcast a lot, which by no means am I trying to compare with the new Kathy Werzer launch, but they ask continuously, what is this show about? And I think Sean and I have slowly come to realize over 180 plus episodes, you know, this show, it was ostensibly about music early on, but what it's really about is not unlike what you're talking about with your new show. It's about the conversations with the people who make this community the community that we live in. But what I've also found over those 180 plus episodes is sometimes there are people that have an incredible story, but they're not great storytellers. And that's where you have to kind of thread the needle, right? Not trying to live in judgment, but if it's not interesting to listen to, even if the story's good, are people going to listen? And I think that's something we always have to face as broadcasters or content creators or whatever. Sure, sure. So I wonder, I mean, I wonder if he's a decent interview, A-Rod. I'm not sure. Um, he, he strikes me as being just your typical sports guy who, you know, might also- not almost a zillionaire sports guy who's at the very top of the world. I know that you're not, you know, you don't dive into the personal life stuff, but let's be honest, his personal life has been more than a little interesting. I'll tell you what, I promise you, even among a public radio crowd, you get A-Rod as a guest, people are going to, I'll tune in. They will for sure. Everybody thinks he's going to try to move the team, even though they say there's a clause that says that he can't move the team. I think everybody wants to know that. And Minnesotans tend to hate Alex Rodriguez because of the fact that he was a Yankee and the fact that he was a steroid user. So the challenging thing with the interview might be, how do you not ask the very toughest questions that people want to have the answers to? Or maybe you ask and he just gives a blank stare. Uh, no, I'm not answering as, that one. <laughs> as I don't need to tell Kathy Werzer, you save those questions for the very end. <laughs> yes, you do. You, you yes, wait you until do. that interview's in the can. And we start scene. out easy. <laughs> and the end. Okay, very Thanks for coming by. Can go I to break. Call, call you, Rod? All right, before we go any further with Kathy Werzer, I hate to get too far into a show without hearing music, and I love every single song you picked today. And this first one... I got a guy, so I also work at a record store, uh, and I, I got a guy that I work with there who is a classic country fanatic, and this is quite literally probably in his top five country artists of all time, so I love that you made this pick, but I want to know why Kathy Werzer chose this artist and this song. I'm assuming that we're talking about Buck Owens. We yes, are. we are. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we were going Buck Owens, then we're going Annie Mac, then we're going Travis Tritt. Okay, thank you. Um, I love Buck. Um, I grew up with uh, Johnny Cash because my dad would play Johnny mm-hmm. Cash records all the time. And then that just kind of morphed into Buck. And, of course, you know, he was known for that stupid hee-haw program, which was in <laughs> for 100 million years. But Buck, you know, was a, it was a hell of a country singer from Bakersfield. And he had this specific sound, you know. And I picked this one together again. I think this is what I sent you. Yes. <laughs> is that right? Yes. Thank you. Uh, together again. This was like one of his first hits. And if you listen, Tom Brumley was one of the buckaroos and Tom never got his due. I think he has a amazing steel guitar solo in together again. And, and it is so beautiful that, um, uh, who did I say? (laughs) Hang on. Let me see. Uh, it was so beautiful that people have Listen to that and have wanted to learn the steel guitar because of that. I'm not doing very well with this intro, am I? See, I'm not really good with the music part of this, but you're, you're together, doing you're doing great, just fine. It's you're very doing real. Just fine. <laughs> so together again is one of my favorite Buck songs, and I just think it's a beautiful song. Together again, my tears have stopped falling. The long, lonely nights Are now at an end The key to my heart You hold in your hand And nothing else matters We're together again.
again The gray skies are gone You're back in my arms Now where you belong The love that I knew Is living again And nothing else matters We're together again And nothing else matters We're together again Nineteen sixty-four. That was. It was Jerry Garcia. The name I remember. Jerry Garcia reportedly heard this song, heard that solo, and it spurred him to learn steel guitar. Wild. I love that you mentioned that it was the Bakersfield sound because that was a direct response to what was happening in Nashville at the time, right? You took all this sort of old school country Americana roots music, and Nashville was really glossing it up at the time. It was a moneymaker, right? It was it was Hitsville, USA for the the Southern and the country crowd, and out there in California, you had the the kernels of outlaw country, right? The earliest bits of rock and roll were starting to mix with country, and you can listen to that last last song and be like, "What's rock and roll about that?" When you talk about that steady backbeat the instead of the big orchestration over the top and you've got this incredible steel guitar behind it i mean merle haggard is the other main artist that i think of when i think about the bakersfield sound many others would come out of it but those two i love that that is an exceptional pull miss kathy Werzer. thank you very much and it is a tearjerker absolutely you gotta love that too you know i mean that's um, the old school country music vibe right it's about everything going wrong it's over I, it's I, over Exactly. And you just got to love that. Trust me. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Because I always wanted to actually get to ask you this question because I've always wanted to know this. You have an encyclopedic knowledge of music that is so impressive. Where the hell did you come up with? So, you know, I mean, being young and nerdy, um, when I was, I poured through my dad's record collections, right? And then I found out there was this whole world of music outside of that that I never knew. And we're talking pre-internet here. So I would spend a lot of time at record stores, whether we're talking about a music land at Northtown or whether we're talking about making our once every couple of weeks trip down to Northern Lights down on the old Block E. And then it moved across the street over there where Seven is now. And just digging through. And back then you read magazines. You, you went to two dollar shows by bands you've never heard of you read fanzines you talked to other people who were like that music's just always been a motivating force for me right and so you know and not all of it's great by any means but then as i got older and the internet made more and more information available or you found you know these great books that were about this person's biography or uh this particular scene right uh the muscle shoal scene whatever mm. To the, to, even to my advanced years now, Kathy, that stuff remains fascinating to me. Um, I don't know why, you know, because I like the music, but I also love the stories. I love that. Again, I always call it the connective tissue because there's nothing happens in a vacuum, no matter what we're talking about, music or anything else. And so when you find out Jerry Garcia heard that song and said, F it, I'm learning the pedal steel, you know, I mean, that's killer. That's a great story. I don't have to like the Grateful Dead, but I love that story. So... You know, here's the thing, and and people always say, oh, poo, I know people <laughs> who know 10 times what I know about music. I mean, like I, I often feel like a neophyte, right? The guy I told you about that I work with at the record store, I've never met anybody who knows more about music than him. Local DJ Jake Rude, as long as we're talking about, you know, Yacht Rock or 80s <laughs> New Wave, literally, literally an encyclopedia. I have brought to bear on my musical knowledge what I brought to bear on my career as a radio DJ, you don't have to know a lot about any one thing. Be conversant in all the subjects, and you'll always be able to sound like the smartest guy in the room. And I probably don't need to tell you that either, right? I mean, have three have three or four good things to say on any subject, and people will think like, God, that guy's good. Right. <laughs> good. For sure. 
All right, before we move forward with Kathy Wurzer, because I also want to talk about something maybe a little more somber, but some of your end-of-life work that you've been doing, because to me, that's fascinating stuff and something I don't think we as a society or as a people pay enough attention to. And I think it's healthy, it's natural, but I want to get I want to get to that in just a minute. First, we do have to thank uh, Forgotten Star Brewing, our latest sponsor, Forgotten Star is in Fridley, Minnesota, right on the border of Minneapolis and Fridley. An incredible location, really good beers, a dog-friendly place indoors and out. And, Sean, if I'm not mistaken, we're just over a week away from you and I being there for the whole day to kick off Oktoberfest. Yeah, Saturday the 18th, we'll be there for Oktoberfest from 3 to 9 p.m. We're going to be doing a couple of Facebook Lives. I might be able to I might uh, see if we can patch into their sound as well. Uh, which would be terrific, so people can give it a listen. But really, really, really want you to stop out to Forgotten Star Brewing and tell them you heard it on the Brian Oak Show. We're working on a deal for Patreon members right now. I can't tell you what it is yet, but we're working on a deal for Patreon members to stop by and maybe get a little something special from the Brian Oak Show and Forgotten Star Brewing. Fabulous. Well, and Kathy, I saw the face you made since we're on Zoom right now. Um, (laughs) Anytime we do a Patreon event... All previous guests are also invited and included. So I know that you live a very busy lifestyle, but should whatever this mysterious thing that Sean is conjuring be nice to be filled in every once in a while, (laughs) you will also be invited and involved. Everybody who's ever been a guest is always invited to our Patreon events. Um, Mm -hmm. And Sean, before we dive back in with Kathy, you are neck deep in the realty world with Edina Realty, the 50th in France location. How are things going? Things are going really well. It's been crazy busy. And I think, uh, you know, it's been an odd perception of the marketplace in some ways that everybody thinks that their house can sell for way more than it probably could. But what I do is I do the research and let you know what the sweet spot is for putting your place on the market. I help on the buy side as well. It's about the research. You you don't want to have your house on the market for way too long because you overpriced it. You don't want to underprice it either, which is the number one fear of all sellers. I'm going to underprice my house. It's going to happen. Well, we're going to show you 20 plus comps of what's sold recently, what's pending, what's active right now. And we'll make sure that doesn't happen. One of the things that I do that's maybe a little bit different is I donate a portion of every buy and sell to a local artist or musician. My wife and I are buying a home. Now that we're empty nesters, we are moving to where we want to move to and where we've wanted to live for years on September 17th. And I'm donating a portion of that sale to my friend Steve Kramer at St. Joan of Arc, where we go to church. Uh, He's been a church musician and volunteered there for years. Unfortunately, Steve has cancer right now. And uh, I'm going to donate some co-pays to my friend Steve. He's doing really well and can't wait to have him back uh, playing music over at St. Jones. But uh, 612-859-2594, that number is also textable. It's the Brian Oak Show. And um, I think I'm not alone when I say that since I was very, very young, I have lived in abject fear of dying. And people have different Mm. ways of looking at that, right? It's weird enough that we got born in the freaking first place, right? Like, what the (laughs) hell? And now it's going to end someday? Are you kidding me? So I think a lot of people turn to religion or philosophy or whatever it is they turn to. My mom still loves to tell the story that I would come up and she'd wake up in the middle of the night with me standing in the doorway to her bedroom. And she'd be like, Brian, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, nothing. Just thinking about dying. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, no, no. Next time you see my mom, Sean, she will be happy to tell you that story. That was my default, right? Like, I mean, so no wonder I was sort of a moody gothic kid. But something that Kathy has done, which I think is super healthy, and I think, you know, that we we turn to palliatives too much and that we don't we don't have healthy, open discussions about it because death is the natural progression of life. Live a good life. Don't welcome death, but know that it is part of the cycle. One of the books you've written, Kathy, is We Know How This Ends, Living While, while Dying. And that was really sort of, I believe, part of the impetus for the End in Mind Project, which inspires individuals and communities to have conversations around living and dying, or living and dying well and having fun doing it. There's a lot to unpack there. So before we dive too far into it, what was the inspiration for you deciding you were going to move in this direction with some of the content you created? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a real big uh I'm a real popular person at cocktail parties when I say that I have <laughs> an in-mind project. They're like, oh, people get away. Um, you know, because of my my relationship with a very cool guy, Bruce Kramer, who I adored, and he was the former um, dean of the College of Education at the University of St. Thomas, and he had ALS, which is a horrible disease. Mm. And um, we just, 
I was kind of pushed to do the interview on NPR on Morning Edition with Bruce uh, because he was blogging about his experiences and he was just a great writer. And I thought, oh, my God, where is this going to go? I mean, what, not to be a jerk, but I mean, how, people are diagnosed with horrible diseases every day. So why is this guy? What's his story? So I thought I kept getting pushed by outside forces. And finally, I agreed. And you've done this, too, I bet, Brian, to be honest. I mean, you just you do it. And you're like, OK, my producer says I should do it. And it's like a one and done. And then you're done. Well, he was so captivating. I thought, oh, I wonder if there's something here. I mean, would he want to continue to talk to me through the progression of his illness? Mm -hmm. And um, he was all about that. He's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm a teacher. I think this is my last best way to mm -hmm. teach. Great. So I'll join you. And he joined me every month for five years. And he said, here's the thing. I'll do this. I'll do it. But you, you got to be there at the end. And I, I said, like, like the end end? Like mm. the end. And he said, yeah. Yeah, the end. And I thought, oh my God, I don't think I can do that. He said, I, I, I understand. You know, it's, it's, this is that's a hard thing to ask a person. He said, so I would, I would understand if you don't want to do it. But I thought maybe I'm supposed to do this for yeah. some weird. So yeah, we we, we became friends. Um, I was there at the very very end, and he taught me a lot. The, I mean, the dying do teach the living a lot about how to live. They just mm -hmm. do. And I learned a ton from him. And that was the spark. And before he died, he said, say, before I go, I mean, this was literally the night before he left. Oof. He said, I really, right? I mean, it was really intense. And he said, before I go, I just want you, I'd like to, I'm not going to ask you to promise me anything. He said, but I would really like for you to continue the work that we've done. And I thought, I don't know how this is going to, what does that look like? I don't know. So I said I would. And it turned out that uh, through a bunch of just interesting meetings and that kind of thing, that we started to do live shows um, based on our conversations on NPR. I mean, mm. live stage shows with like right. music, poetry, discussion. I mean, it was kind of a, it was like a death and dying stage show in a weird way. And it took off. And, it, and, and then that just led to the formation of the nonprofit Ended Mind Project. It's, it's really the best how can I say this? It's the most inspirational work I've done in my career. It yeah, really well, is. I mean, it, it's fundamental, right? Like for me, and I think for a lot of people, right? Even if you've lost people next to you or you've watched people die when you're young, there's still sort of this unrealistic, bulletproof self-evaluation. You're like, well, yeah, but that's so far in the future or that's not really how it's going to be. Nobody here gets out alive, right? I mean, it's the way it works. So... I feel like the earlier we start paying attention to it instead of all of a sudden, you know, being intubated and being unconscious and learning right. like like you did. That's why I find this work so impressive. It's hard for me to face. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to oh. watch somebody die. And I've, we've all watched friends or family members mm. die. But you still have this very, at least I think a lot of people do, this unrealistic sense that, well, that's clearly not how it's going to work for me. And you just don't know, right, on the day to day. So is there is there like a central location where if people want to find out more about your book or the work you've done with that project? Is there one central place that people can go to get that information? Yeah, and, and thank you for asking. Um, yeah, endinmindproject.org, since we are a .org. And I, I think, you know, we're not taught to have these difficult conversations, so I wouldn't beat myself up about it, you know, uh, be, because it is a hard thing to do. And it's, and it's you you do want to kind of go running into the streets going, la, 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 because, I mean, you don't want yes, to. I do. <laughs> but, you know, if you, if you just kind of, if you face it head on, it's almost like you're freed up to live the rest of the time, in a way, right. without without that kind of burden. Um, so yeah, endinmindproject.org. We've got, we're working on some different online tools, which are kind of, and we're actually going to do a, a t TV show. Actually, we're working on a, a public television program on uh, end of life caregiving, which would be really interesting. I think the end of the, the end of the year. So there's another finger in another pie. <laughs> oh <my laughs> what no, you, you seriously are like the most ambitious person I've ever <laughs> met. I, I like to work and I do a lot of things, but not like you, you, and you, and you do such a good job of it. So before we wrap up this conversation, uh, this part of this conversation, um, Bruce obviously was your original inspiration. Clearly, though, in putting together your book and doing the other live shows, things like that, you spoke to other people who were in a similar situation, who the end was within sight. And yes. that's sobering, right? But also, like you said, informative and learning how to live while dying is, I think, fairly important. Because like once you find out 
that it might not be that long doesn't mean it's over, right? I mean, like, we don't know. Any one of us could walk out and I hate to use the old cliche, but get hit by a bus today and it could be over. But if you know, then you can be a little careful about. So talking to your friend Bruce or any of the other people that you've had in your experiences of doing this work, have you come to a greater peace about what the end might look like? Yes, actually, I have. Because like you, um, as a kid, you know, that's that's a huge fear of a kid, right? And I would, I would every time I would think about my parents dying, I would just freak out, you know, because, oh, you mean they're going to die? What? You know, or an ant, or like a pet or something when they would die, it was just horrible. So I think this is, this work actually, you know, when, when you find yourself in this work, it, you're actually doing your own work too, in a way. So yeah, actually, there is a certain piece about it. And um, I don't, I don't waste time anymore. I've just, I don't, I don't have a lot of time or energy for a lot of BS. Um, Bruce found that to be true. Mm -hmm. He would say that all the time, you know? Um, And I just, you realize that we're all here for an eye blink and why put up with a lot of garbage, you know? So I do what I, I do what I need to do, uh, but I also do what I want to do. So that's why I keep, I guess that's why I am kind of frenetic. I do a lot of different things because I just feel like, you know, I don't know how long I got, so, you know. None of us ever do, but I think, again, I think fomenting these conversations and these ways of thought are crucial because I think a lot of us live in abject fear of it or maybe not even avoidance, just, you know, nobody wants to sit and think about the fact that one day you're not going to be here. Whatever you believe may come next. still terrifying for everybody, but as we said, no one here gets out alive. So the sooner you start thinking about it, the better and learning healthy ways to deal with it, which I still have a long ways to go. Uh, Let's get another song in before we go too much further. You have chosen a song by an incredible local artist who we've had on the show before a couple times. Annie Mack has a ray of light coming out of the top of her head. She (laughs) is so bright and so powerful and so interesting and so magnetic. I, you know, and I, I knew I'd heard from so many people how good she was. And then I saw her live, mm-hmm. heard her perform. And it, there are certain things you have to experience for yourself, right? I mean, there are certain things that you will not know until you know. And the power of Annie Mack is one of them. Why did you pick this song? Because uh, she and I had a conversation. I think we're going to work together on a project, which wow. I'm super excited. Right? And, no, right. And so it's closer. And uh, when I talked, we had this conversation. She said, uh, it spoke to me because of my end of life work and it, it, and she, she created it because of an experience in her life to around end of life. So that's why I picked closer.
childish winds I have traveled far to get to this place Earn the grays in my hair and the lines on my face Here's my simple truth I'm a little bit older, a little bit wiser A little bit closer to the grave You are muted, Brian. I like to sing a little bit worser in that part, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're still muted, it. Brian. There you go. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> I got it. As Sean said, a little bit worser. A little bit closer <laughs> to the grave. Yeah, that... Um, Annie Mac has a... There's a spirit about her, in addition to her obvious and overwhelming raw talent in certain situations. There's just a warmth and a thoughtfulness to her that is hard to deny. And I can imagine that she would probably not be against the idea of providing some sort of musical accompaniment to the new as yet unnamed Minnesota theme show that will be appearing middays hmm. on NPR in the not too distant future. Again, hmm. I'm not a producer, hmm. nor am I any sort of scientist. Um, I'm not an agent, but I do know that good people attract good people. And she seems like that would be a very, very good fit. Before we resume with Kathy Werzer and get to the final part of the show here, we probably should thank our good friends at Palmer's Bar over on the West Bank in Southeast Minneapolis. Palmer's is a bar that hung on during the pandemic, and there was not any guarantee that it was going to survive. But our good friend Tony is surrounded by very good friends, a very thick, strong, powerful music community over in that neck of the woods, and really throughout the Twin Cities. But ever since they've come back, they are, I don't know, thriving. They're doing very, very well. They remain a vibrant force, an important force in our neck of the woods. I'm taking a look at some of the things they've got going on. Low Rats, uh, who are a sensational local band, are going to be doing some more music there. Uh, coming up tomorrow night. Wow, is tomorrow already the 10th of September? Crazy. Third over already. How How is that? I don't... I don't believe it. Then coming up on Saturday, <laughs> Butterboys and Brass, Body Works, Gabe Barnett going to be there. I'm taking a look down. There's great music there. And here's the thing. It reminds me kind of the, the old days of going out to see music, right? Where you're like, well, I don't know this band, but four bucks, six bucks. Yeah, I can swing that, whatever. In this day and age, not too bad. And there's a lot of really cool, reasonably priced events coming up at Palmer's. Also, the Front Porch Swing and Liquor Pigs are going to be there next weekend. And if there's a better <laughs> name for a band there's ever... Not. Nope. Other than dumpster juice, the front porch <laughs> and liquor pigs are going to be performing there in the very near I wish um, everybody could see Kathy's face right now. <laughs> this is fabulous. <laughs> one more time. Give me the name of that group one more time. The front porch swinging liquor pigs. That is the, that is the best <laughs> name. Seriously. I mean, there there are more shocking names. There are perhaps more poignant or timely names. But for how long that band's been around, the Front Porch Swinging Liquor Pigs is about as good as it gets. That's a band I would go see, even though I quit drinking. <laughs> Kathy Werzer is our guest. She is a stalwart of public television and of NPR, but apparently is such a restless soul that she can't stop working and creating new things. Um, you have written a couple books. You have done numerous and Emmy award-winning television shows. You've been on the radio forever. You get up really, really early every day. I know because I've done what you do, not exactly what you do, but something similar to it. And apparently that's not enough because you are still working on another book and crafting this new television or this new radio show and working on all the things and working on new endeavors with the End in Mind project. Is it exhausting? Do you ever wish you just could be like, you know what? I'm going away for a month. I'm done with this for a little bit. Yeah, I know. I'm a glutton for punishment. What can I say? I guess. Well, and that's I don't know. fine. 
I mean, it, but you, you create it such a consistently high quality, I guess, you know, and I don't ever stop really either, but it, there are days where I'm like, oh, everybody F off, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm done with it. And I think that that's reasonable, but you, yeah. you have to show up on television. You have to show up and have a smiling face and a, a pleasant demeanor all the time. And you seem to be really good at it. What's your freaking secret? Yeah, I know. Um, I, it's, it's just a, sometimes a mask, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Really- yeah. No, but but that's how. But but really, when you listen or watch someone, do you want someone to be just a you know some stick in the mud or something like that, or like yeah. a little rain cloud? No, nope. you don't. No, you've got to go suck it up, even though <laughs> you feel like crap, and you've yeah. got to go out there and uh, you know do it right. Yeah, that's well, and there's there, so, I mean, there's there's such a genuine and unmistakable warmth and honesty to the way you approach your work. I don't think anybody feels like it's artifice. I don't feel like anybody thinks that they're getting a show. I think people see that Kathy Werzer is not your average broadcaster or journalist or individual. And I think that's that's what makes you that that's why I want you on this podcast. That's what makes you a local treasure. That's why I was always miffed when I worked at NPR. I'm like, well, <laughs> shit. On right now, I can't listen to her. I have a show to do. <laughs> Wait, how many times did I go back and forth on the stairway and look at you guys and go, you know, I know. often, like, often, you guys yeah. are having a really fun time. And what am I doing? Broccoli and Brussels sprouts. I mean, you know, because got <laughs> all the horrible news of the world and you guys are having a good time. And I'm like, oh, how does that work? Well, you know, I mean, that, but that stuff was crucial. Let me ask you this. You do a morning show, so you have to be up very early. And I do a morning show, so I have to be up very early. Have you just simply gotten used to the fact that if you're not laying down by 7 or 8 o'clock at night, your next day is going to be impossible? Yes. So have I. <laughs> so before, before when I did it, I never, I, I'd still be like, oh, I'm up till 10, I'm up till 10.30. God, why is today so hard? At some point, I had the epiphany that if I lay down at 8 o'clock, and I, I'm never laying in bed later than eight o'clock. Even if I don't go to sleep right away, I read for a while. Don't look at the computer anymore. That part of the day is done. You know, maybe your phone briefly, but if I read for a while or just lay there and think or listen to some music, my days have actually been really, really manageable, even getting up at quarter to four every day. You know, and I think you probably get up earlier than that. I get up at, uh, I was getting up at two, uh, oh. two, two, th- you know, when I was talking, remember the great, uh, sure you do. Uh, the great Roger Erickson and Charlie Boone, right? Of course. So, yeah, WCCO Radio's amazing morning uh, show team for many, many years. And both have passed, you know. And so I'm, I'm working on this history of broadcasting in Minnesota, this book and this series that you'll see on public television. So I remember talking to Charlie and Raj about how they did it. And they had to do the same thing you and I are doing. I mean, they just had to make sleep a priority because, you know, they had to come up with bits. You have to yeah, be yeah. Sharp. You know, and they realized after, you know, there was a point where it's like, yeah, we'll do all these public appearances. And then the next morning you're worthless, you know? So they talked at length about how you really had to sleep. Well, And and for you, if you get up at two, my God, Kathy, I mean, eight o'clock's not early enough. You have to lay down when the kids in the yard next door are still very loudly playing and the sun is still streaming through the shades. I hate... See, I really like winter because everything is in darkness uh-huh. and everybody else is complaining about, oh, it's so dark. It's like, whatever. I mean, you Perfect. know, this is my life. Perfect. This is my life. So, again, exactly. so yeah, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing, but you know, you keep riding the horse until they shoot the horse out from underneath you. So, I mean, that's pretty much. That seems keep... really negative. <laughs> well, think about how the horse feels, Sean. Yeah, what right, about, think about how the horse I've, feels. I've never heard that one before. Well, no. so, going because we got I mean, it we got it <laughs> well i mean I've, I've had the horse shot out for me more than yeah. a few times well yep. at least three or four that i can think of mm-hmm. and what choice do you have just keep running till you find the next horse and jump right. on that horse get just go because i don't know what else the hell i would do <laughs> i work with a, a wonderful young woman by the name of brianne burdett she is the producer and co-host of the morning show that i currently do on the radio and she loves to quote I believe it's officer and a gentleman whenever we're at our most frustrated or wondering, you know, it's early in the morning and we don't feel like it. And you're like, Ugh. and she'll look at me and she'll be like, I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> like, Oh, son of a bitch. If that isn't true. Damn it. Well, so you know what? You count your so blessings. What, can I ask you something? You what may. Keeps, well, well, a, because I am doing this history of broadcasting thing, which I find is really a, a it's really a fun project. I really yeah. like it. 
and um, broadcasters from all over the state have come out of the woodwork to talk to me, right? So why did you decide to do this work? That's a great question. Um, I My voice dropped when I was about 10 years old. And so from that time forward, and I was always involved in theater or debate, and I loved reading. And so I was able to orate, you know, or bloviate or whatever you want to call it. And so, but from the time I was very, very young, people told me, man, you've got a great voice for radio, you should do it. So I'm not sure if I was drawn to it or if I simply was brainwashed, but I was one of those kids with the little tape recorders that you had to press play and record mm-hmm. at the same time on. And I kind of made up my own radio shows at home and then I'd sing a song and then I'd back sell like I was on the radio. And I don't really know where that came from. I didn't, I mean, I, li- I grew up listening to the radio like everybody did, but I'm not sure if that was the need to act out or that I was lonely and bored or that I loved music. Maybe I just love the sound of my own damn voice. I honestly don't know for sure, Kathy. Um, but I know that I didn't dive into it right away. I did it my first year of college, dropped out of college for six years. I worked at an environmental advocacy organization, had a chance to get back into it over at the U of M, and then literally did it for the next quarter century. It's weird. Even when I was making zero money doing it, and even when the hours were unforgiving, and the, the, the genres only continued to shrink, right, that market. And so... Um, I've never enjoyed anything more. And so when I had a chance to get back to it, I said yes without thinking about it. And I leapt right at it. I I can't explain why, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I probably should have set my sights a little higher, but I, I love it. I know, I know. And your voice is, it was funny. I was going, I was at my dentist's office yesterday. Um, <laughs> and he said, can I ask you something? That Do all radio people, do you use your radio voice? I mean, do, you know, like what's your voice really? I mean, do you lower right. it? And, um, and he, I said, well, some, you know, you, you're kind of gifted with this voice, right? Um, and you kind of turn it on a little bit. And But, you know, what you hear is usually what you get, right? right. right. And he was, we were kind of talking about radio. And he said, well, why did you get involved? <laughs> I said, Whoa. I was going to be a print reporter. That's what I was going to do. And then on a dare, kind of a drunken dare, um, <laughs> I went up to the campus radio station at UW-River Falls. And... Um, did the news one night because I was dared to do it hmm. and I did it and I was just ridiculously bad. I was just horrible, but it was like some weird. I just, I don't know. It was like a thunderbolt. I'm like, Oh my God, this is what I want to do. And I ended up doing news. Well, and I, so I remember the smell of those little college radio station rooms with the tack board on the walls and the cart machine over mm-hmm. here. Yes. I can smell it and I can, uh, the, the tactile sensation of it. And I've, I've loved everything about it ever since. And yes, I mean, you know, if you grow up and you do what we do as adults, you are going to have to face an endless sea of corporate crap every single day, because that's the way these things are administered. But if the craft matters to you, and it does to me. And there are days, like you said, where you don't fucking feel like it at all. But, you know, when the when you hit the red light and the microphone goes on, it's go time. You don't have a choice. It's time to go. And so you, but ding, I mean, like I'm sitting here in a room where I've I've interviewed hundreds of artists over the years. And you think about it, you know, and the room's full of people and, okay, the lights are on and you better go now. And there's something terrifying and thrilling and satisfying that I just, I, I can't ever say no to it. I absolutely love it. And I know, you know, the feeling television's worse than that. I couldn't do television, hell no television, but you know, radio and that kind of thing, there's still that. And you know, someone points at you and it's time to go and there's not an option, but to do the deal. Do the deal. You got to do it. And that's what every single solitary broadcaster I've been talking to says the exact same thing, obviously. Right. I mean, in some, I mean, that's why this project is so hard because there are so many excellent, excellent broadcasters. I mean, the, the history of Minnesota broadcasting, I mean, good right. luck, right? radio and TV, public and commercial, outstate and, you know, Twin Cities. And I have been thinking to myself, how am I going to do this? Oh, my God. Uh, and so far, you know, some of the really great pioneers, of course, have passed on. So I'm going to have to kind of cobble that together. But the guys I've been talking to, guys that you probably, you know, names you remember from uh, listening to, you know, the six, KDWB and WDGY in the 60s, you know, they're still around. They have amazing stories. And, and yeah. they have the thing, you know, it's like this, uh, this electrifying, it's just electrifying to be on the air. 
even if you're doing an overnight shift and there's nobody listening. And I, I remember working at Radio K when it first, before it became Radio K, WMMR at the U of M, I had the Sunday morning shift. Nobody knew who I was. I was a part-time student. They gave me Sunday morning from 7 a.m. until 12 noon. And okay. I remember doing giveaways at 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And this was a station that was only available on FM cable and went to the dorms. Well, who the hell is listening in the dorms at 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning? I would do giveaways. I'd be like, we'll take caller seven right now at blah, 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 whatever the number was. Literally not one person would call. <laughs> I didn't care. It was fucking thrilling. And you know what? Every time that happened, I'm like, this is practice, man. You're going to do this one day. This is practice. And whether you're an athlete, whether you're a chef, whether you're a politician, whether you were a broadcaster, it's all about practice and putting in the reps. You have to get better at what you do. So, yeah, when you talk about your first shifts being terrible, shit, when I got hired at Rev 105, did my first professional gig, I was awful. I was awful. But, no, you – trust me. Trust me. I was. But you learn, right? You get better as you go along. Kathy, I hate to do this to you, but we have to wrap it up. You will come back again, won't you? If you invite me, absolutely. Okay, well yeah. – I admire you both. I love you both. And absolutely. And I'm so happy to be a part of this. Thank you. We love you. Your well, energy is just fantastic. And thanks for all you do for the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Oh, thanks. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank try you. To, try to clear a couple things off your plate before you pack some more on there, okay? That's the way the buffet works, Kathy. You finish <laughs> your plate and then you go back and reload it, okay? <laughs> try to give yourself a little breathing room in there. Walk around. But I'm really, everything you do is fantastic. And I'm really, really glad we had you in. Before we let you go, I need to thank uh, Audio Equip. They're the ones who have provided us with all this wonderful equipment that we have at the studio to make the podcast sound good. Sounds even better when we're actually in the studio. Sean's the only one in there today. Once we get past this COVID silliness, we'll get back to being in there. Uh, I also need to thank the good people at Smart Start MN. Thank you, Sean Bernard. Thank you. <laughs> he always, when you say he it. always I thinks yeah. I sound weird when I just say thank you to him. I, yeah, no, I, I feel like you're the guy in the movie who's like, oh, thank you. Oh, and no. There's always something else oh, no. coming. Thank you, Brian. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, I also want to thank Forgotten Star Brewing. Don't forget, we're going to be there in just over a week. Details at ForgottenStarBrewing.com. And thank you to Palmer's Bar, palmersbar.net, if you want a full rundown of everything they have going on. Um, Kathy, you have so many irons in the fire. So right now, if people want to hear you on the daily, they can hear you on the morning show at NPR News, correct? Okay, now... When in October 18th is when your new Minnesota show launches. Now you're also doing um, this new project, which you know you're focusing on the history. I mean, it, it's hard to keep track of. It's dizzying, even with the notes in front of me. But with this, with this Minnesota Broadcasters project, which is both going to be in book form and uh, in television form, when do you think we might start seeing some of the fruits of that? I'm not okay. rushing you. I'm just curious. A you year, know, I, sometime next year. Sure. Okay. Sure. Last thing I'm trying to do is hassle you. A promo is not a promise. You know what I'm saying? Sean, I want you to write that down because for how long I've been doing this, I've never heard that before. I'm getting the tattoo, I think. A promo is not a promise. promise. I'm definitely having t-shirts made. There's no question about that. That was quite good. I like that too. (laughs) Kathy, thank you very, very much. My pleasure. I love you both. Thank you so much. Thank you. Before Before we... we Brian, before I'm going to pause for just a second. Before you go, Kathy, so I'm going to edit this part out. I just want to do a screenshot of you and Brian. Uh, so stay on after the song starts, and then I'm just going to do a quick screenshot right as soon as it starts. Go ahead, Brian. All right. Now, before we let Kathy go, we do have to hear one last song. We ask everyone who comes by to play three songs. And what I like about Kathy, Kathy is so good at doing this. And she's so comfortable in her own skin. So many people come in and they're like, oh, man, I got I to pick something cool, man. Going on with Oak, oh, man, I got to pick something cool. Exactly. Thank you, Kathy. I wish everyone could see that look because that's not what that's not the point of asking people to pick music. I don't want cool. I don't want, oh, man, edgy, weird. No one's ever heard of this band. I want the things that move the individual who comes in because much like you, I mean, think about You've interviewed thousands of people over the course of your career, right? And you'd much rather have 
the genuine article. You would like to know who that person is because that story is way more interesting than anything they might pretend to be. That's why, to me, like sitting down to a meal with someone, hearing the music that they like or that they have chosen is more informative to me than just about any question I could possibly ask. And I love the fact that you picked this guy because I don't think a lot of people who are even familiar with the name would identify him as outlaw country, but there's no question that this guy was on the fringe for a long, long time. Tell me about the artist and the song you picked. Oh God, yes, Travis Tritt. Travis started, he has his gospel roots, but he got into Southern rock through by listening to Leonard Skinnerd. And Travis, he's he's a country outlaw, and I got a little bit of that. I love that little outlaw, you know, that little bit of a, you know. So Travis, um, I, I really like his cover of T R O U B L E. That's what we're gonna go out with. I had a time. 